Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you all here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. Make sure to click on the link in my show link or email me at michelle.zou at ptcgconsulting.com. And I welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Jim Fredrickson on the show together with me. And we are going to talk about our experience of working in China and share with you some tips about working in Chinese pe- with Chinese people or doing business with Chinese companies. We have a lot of experience of doing that. I hope the information will be useful to you. Hi, Jim. Thanks for coming to the show. Good morning. <laughs> uh, you and I have worked together a couple of years ago in China. Uh, actually, the first time we met was in Beijing. And at that time, we were colleagues uh, and we both were working for Microsoft in China. Uh, now we are working together to help companies to expand their business to China. So to start, uh, could you please first tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. I've been in the technology business for a number of years. Um, most recently, I'd spent uh, approximately 16 years with Microsoft and was involved with the OEM business there, managing uh, license agreements with major computer manufacturers, uh, server, storage, PC, and mobile around the world. Um, I first uh, visited uh, China and Asia in the early 2000s. And I was managing sales, marketing, and technical teams located in, in Shenzhen, Japan, and Korea, as well as in the U.S., LATAM, and Europe. Uh, in 2012, I was, I was selected to lead a 50-person sales and marketing team in Beijing for Microsoft's OEM division. And there, we drove license revenue and did co-marketing activities with a number of major global companies. Uh, including HP, Dell, and then China-specific companies like Huawei and ZTE and Lenovo. Yeah, I remember um, that was in 20... I went there in 2013 in January, and uh, your office and my office was next to each other. So we got to know each other pretty deeply. (laughs) That's right, that's right. I first started there in in 2012 and then was there for, for over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you have been in many, many business meetings and negotiations, and you've, you've done uh, a lot of big contracts for Microsoft. Uh, it would be really interesting to hear from you and uh, um, about those kind of business meetings. Uh, what is good to know to have a successful meetings and how should we, if people don't have a lot of experience working in China or working with Chinese companies, how should people prepare for that? 
So a lot of it de- depends, I think, on the type of industry that um, you're involved with. Um, obviously, I was involved with the IT industry, but it, it could be different if you're if you're dealing um, with agriculture or e-tailing or um, energy, uh, you know, clean environment, which which might be a little bit different, but it, which are all hot topics right now. But I, I think I think you know one of the things that if I try to be succinct, is trip preparation and is, is extremely important uh, in, in terms of um, not only going to China, but also conducting meetings. And so um, I was very fortunate because um, I always had somebody that was well positioned uh, from an account perspective with the key customers. So they knew... Uh, they knew the, um, the landscape in the customer's environments. They had access to multiple layers of management, which was very important. And so they had developed some, some trust um, you know, with the local, local um, IT and um, customer sets. So um, when I go back to trip preparation, uh, you know, it's really important to make sure that, that there's a clear understanding of what you're trying to accomplish because um, if you're based in America and English is your first language, you're dealing in an environment where English is, is a second language. And although many people in, in China are highly educated uh, in a number of areas, um, English, English probably is, is, is starting to become more and more relevant there um, in doing business, especially when Companies in China want to not only sell in China but sell in the rest of the world. So, um, you know, my 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 tips uh, in terms of trying to conduct uh, successful meetings, um, you have to also keep in mind the the culture um, because you're used to culture in in dealing with business in America, but when you go to China. Um, you're, it's important to try to develop some kind of a trust. So, I mean, one of the things that I, I tried to do was see if it'd be possible to have some type of a social get-together uh, the day before to meet key people that were going to be involved in the meeting um, so that we could, you know, double and triple confirm the meeting objectives and, and get to know um, some of the people, maybe exchange some business cards ahead of time and find out a little bit about them um, outside of the work environment. I found that that was extremely beneficial uh, to, to begin the establishment of trust. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this point because uh, in China, a lot of times people, um, well, I put it in this way, the after work stuff uh, like a, a dinner or some sort of a social events, it's, it's all building up the relationship. I compare to uh, in the U.S., we usually just uh, go to work and after work hour is our own time, right? Family time, private time. So it's less uh, likely people want to spend the time uh, on business after the work. But in China, that's pretty common. Uh, long hours, the social part and the work part is kind of a, a lot of times mingled together. Yeah, relationship is really, really important. You know, I think another thing that's that's um, 
vital is um, you're in another country and you have to be respectful for the, um, you know, the types of things that are important to the Chinese. Being on time for meetings is very important. So um, I always made a habit, even though it was hard on my family in the U.S., but I tried to travel so that I would arrive on Sunday and, and take the time um, if I was there early enough um, to maybe even uh, take a cab out to where the meeting was going to be the next day. So I, I had familiarity with that. I might even have a backup plan if I was to be picked up um, to make sure that um, you know there there wasn't a uh, an opportunity to be late for the meetings. Uh, <laughs> and the traffic, right? <laughs> traffic, traffic yeah. is, is is not easy in China, and you know just making sure that you double double confirm the logistics involved. I, I think is is very important um, when going to China for the first time. You know, and by the uh, way, Jim, I want to point out, if you test out on Sunday, if you take like 30 minutes to get there, on Monday morning, it's totally not 30 minutes. <laughs> it, might be, it might be an hour. Or one of the things that I've done before is, is made sure that um, if, if my hotel was originally going to be in, in say, in one part of, of Shenzhen or Beijing or Shanghai, I might actually try to move my hotel within walking distance of the customer meeting, especially if it was a, you know, a critical meeting. Um, yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that that I, I I took you know potential obstacles out of the equation. So, you know, I, so logistics is one thing, and and I'm sure the people that are listening to this call are professionals and they know how to handle those things. Um, so. Uh, I think one of the one of the things that that's important to understand is also um, talk to your local people to understand uh, you know the level of executive um, that's going to be involved with your meeting. Um, make sure you understand the layers of management that are going to be participating. Um, get an idea so that you're not uh, confused when the, when first walking into the, the meeting room for the first time as to where to sit. Um, all those things can be managed by by individuals um, that are accustomed to that that work in China. Uh, I think that you know that another thing that is important is is um, from the time that you do your initial greeting to to the, the time that you actually are going to conduct uh, the discussion, whatever it may be. Um, most likely, in my experience. Uh, there's going to be back and forth between um, you speaking English and someone from the, you know, the customer or your partner um, translating that information uh, to the executive. And then questions will ensue. You go back and forth. Uh, but I think it's, in, it's important to um, really, really try to figure out what's going on behind the scenes and get a good feeling as to what the local people are thinking. It may be um, at times that you have to just turn the conversation over into, into Chinese and make sure that, that your local person that works for you um, takes the lead in that um, and then feeds that information back to you so that, so that you're respectful of the time of the, the Chinese uh, people that are in the room. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the very important uh, thing to remember here is also I have a hard lesson from that is, you know, even though the language part sounds like it's not a big issue because you're the, PT, the people you are meeting, they may speak a, a good English then the understanding of what is being said may not be on the same page. Um, so don't uh, ignore it or don't uh, be confused when people, uh, both sides, yes, seems like uh, understand each other. Uh, double confirm, make sure you are really talking the same thing. Uh, one of the <laughs> story I have is uh, when I had a very important meeting with our Microsoft executive, um, and uh, the other side is a China very big customer, um, the telecom. And the customer is asking something, you know, of a feature that be delivered by this time. And our executive is saying, yes, yes, uh, we have already planned it in. Then uh, the China side, including me, right? I am a Chinese. I grew up in China, but I lived in the U.S. for 20 years now. So uh, in that meeting, including me, we kind of took it into the to the um, understanding of, okay, it is in the plan uh, and it will be delivered by that time. Then after the meeting, I wrote a meeting notes and I sent to our Microsoft executive and you know the team internally I said well this is what uh, I captured in the meeting then our uh, executive read back uh, wrote back to me immediately he said I said we have it in the plan but I didn't say this will be delivered exactly or I didn't promise this will be delivered on the day we will try we will work on it but it's a plan See, there's a little things like this, <laughs> just to make things, um, sometimes the understanding is not on the same page. That's a great, I mean, that's a great example because, um, you know, at the conclusion of meetings, you can confirm what you heard. One of the things that I found effective is if, if there were action items that you wanted to take, um, those were, you know, typed up during the meeting. They were written down on a whiteboard while the meeting was going on. And um, so at the conclusion of the meeting, you simply went back to the whiteboard and said, this is what we agreed to, points one, two, three, four, five. Those are actually then, like you said, summarized in some type of an email sent to all parties. If there was anything else that was needed to be added to that or any, any um, misconceptions surfaced, they could be dealt with. I think, you know, one of the thing that was with, when you start dealing with um, Chinese and also the double confirm is that words that we use in America may not may have the same meaning in Chinese. And mm -hmm. so, you know, one time I was asking um, what the business objectives were from one executive and he was reluctant to give me information. And so I noticed when I walked into the building that there were pictures of all these people in the company that had been honored by their company leadership. And so I, I said, what would it take for you and working with us so that your picture was on that wall. Well, the customer laughed. He thought that was um, wonderful. It was a situation where um, he knew that I was interested in, in supporting him and making him successful. And then he, he provided the information that we needed so that we could build our business plan. Mm -hmm. so. 
I assume in your example, the word objectives has been translated maybe in some way that um, it's not, uh, you know, the same meaning as you wanted to deliver. <laughs> That's why they didn't really yeah, uh, I think feel comfortable he, I, to tell you <laughs> their objectives, right? I think he felt like it was, I, I was asking for something that, you know, might violate, um, you know, company confidentiality standards or you know, something that, you know, had a personal meeting to him. But once we cleared that out, it, it paved the way for a for better understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so little things like this, we need to watch and uh, make sure uh, they, both sides are understanding each other. And one of the tips, uh, Jim, you mentioned is um, double confirm and ask questions, um, questions that really, really help you to clarify what you are trying to understand. Also, another tip you mentioned here is write down, you know, after the meeting or at the, by the end of the meeting, uh, capture what has been discussed and uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. Okay, it looks like uh, uh, it's time to go into a commercial break. Um, after we come back, we're going to talk more about, uh, as a foreigner working in China, what are some exciting things and challenges that, Jim, you have been facing with. Okay, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. Did you know that everything connected to the Internet has something of value to a hacker? Even if you're not a millionaire or a movie star, you, yes you, have something that a hacker wants to steal. Listen to DIY Cyber Guy with host David W. Schroefer to understand what the hackers want and what you need to do to protect yourself, your family, and your identity. Don't lose your mind, your sanity, or your data. Listen live to DIY Cyber Guy every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to 
info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, so we're back. Um, this is a continue with In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm with Jim here. So, Jim, uh, as a foreigner working in China and leading a team there, what are some challenges that you have faced in terms of getting business done? So I think one of the one thing that happens. Let's say that you're based in the U.S. and you know you're dealing with teams that are actually um, sitting in China. Um, if you're not if you're not there on a on a hundred percent basis, you're going to have to deal with time zone issues, and so and be sensitive to the fact that you know you're 15 to 17 hours time zone difference. You know, depending on the time of the year, and so. Um, you're going to have to set up a working relationship where um, at some point someone's going to have to either stay up late or get up early. And I think it's, it, uh, um, it's incumbent on the management to try to figure out a working relationship that um, works for both parties involved. Um, obviously, the use of technology like, like Skype and you know, um, electronic communication can help in many ways. But... I think it's one thing is, is, is to make sure that you set up a, a regular um, kind of rhythm of your business um, in order to, to try to make it successful. I think another thing that um, is, is really being clear on, you know, what are the, what's the strategy for trying to do business in, in um, whatever industry that you're in? Um, what are the objectives? Be clear on those. Uh, make sure that both parties have bought off on that. So, you know, whether you give templates to people that say, you know, here are the goal, strategy, objectives that you have, um, that's one thing. But then also, it's really important to, ex- to execute. So I think that that's, that's something that when you take a look at um, making sure that um, you're meeting your objectives on time, you're doing the things that are necessary um, to execute in a proper fashion, when it... When it when it gets it down to the point of actually trying to, you know, have you and your team close business, um, you know, I talked about that a little bit more in terms of the preparation and the and the strategy, but um, having someone in China that you trust implicitly is is very important um, because they're they're going to be the feet on the street, and you're going to be relying on them to be successful, and so. Um, you know, when you go through your interview process, um, again, make sure that you're hiring the, the type of people that have had access to the leadership and in, in the types of clients that you're working with before. Um, when you're actually trying to, um, you know, get projects or business done, there'll undoubtedly be numbers of different management layers that are involved. And, um, you know, just as an example, one time we were trying to close a contract and we thought we were at the, um, the 12th hour ready to close it. And um, so we said, okay, are you, you know, Mr. So-and-so in a position to sign the contract? Um, and they said, uh, yes, I am. And I said, great, we'll put your name on the contract. Well, wait a second. No, my name actually doesn't go on the contract, he said. So we actually had to dig deeper to find out who the executive was whose name would actually appear on the contract and then go through a process of making sure that that person could actually sign so we could close the deal. So again, 
um, you know, finding the right level of authority, um, making sure that you've, um, you're really clear on communication is vital. Yeah, I want to add to this point. Uh, a lot of times in Chinese companies, the decision maker is the person really on the very top. Uh, but uh, when you do the negotiation, you may have all these uh, people uh, below that top CEO or top of whatever uh, negotiating the uh, business. Then a lot of times the final person... <laughs> As you mentioned, right, the name to put on the contract or uh, the, the, the signature goes there might be a, a person that um, is on the pretty top position in the company. And that is very different than in the U.S. In some of the companies, we have the authority probably distributed uh, into different layers and at certain uh, certain layers, uh, then people can, you know, certain levels, they can just make that decision. That's just something I observed. What do you think? Totally, totally agree with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, again, that's why it's extremely important to um, take the steps to profile your account, um, gather as much information about um, who's who in the organization, um, obviously, if, if, if you're um, trying to do business in China and let's say you have uh, products or services that are, are U.S.-based and you're trying to have your clients utilize them in China, uh, you know, who are the different buyers inside that organization is, is important. What's the financial buyer think, the IT buyer, the CEO, legal, you know, pick a number. And... Um, so it's an, it's important to to understand that. I, I think another thing too is, um, again, depending on the industry, uh, you know, you may be dealing with companies that um, that can buy U.S.-based products. Um, you may be dealing with companies that um, where there's um, a state-run uh, entity involved, and so um, you know there. Are Procurement processes might be different. They may only be able to open up bids for um, certain certain technologies or products at, at at you know beginning or mid or later part parts of the year. Um, so you need to be aware of that. Um, you really have to understand the lay of the land. It, it's it's like if you're going to climb a mountain, you would not want to go and climb the mountain without you know 100% uh, preparation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think another thing really important here is um, we need to, you need to find people who really know the local market, uh, have the relationship, um, understand how business is done in China to help you uh, be successful. And for Microsoft, uh, you know, big companies like Microsoft, uh, we have a team of people inside China. Uh, we hire great people. Then for small companies, uh, uh, I think uh, they may not have the luxury have a, you know, uh, a team there. I think uh, one of the still remember this very important uh, uh, tip uh, to be successful. Uh, you may want to. Um, Find people that you can partner with, or you may want to uh, find a hire a consultant to help you to start with. There are a variety of companies that 
um, do a good job of, of helping from a recruiting perspective. Um, there are also universities in various areas that have expertise in, in certain technologies, you know, whether it's um, obviously the IT space or engineering or oil and gas. And so, you know, um, look into those situations. Um, you know, people that we had hired in the past uh, to Microsoft um, had worked with IBM, for example, or Dell or Huawei um, and, and a variety of companies. And so we hired them, we brought them on board. And then if they had experience, for example, in the telecommunications space with, with Huawei or ZTE, uh, it made sense for, for those people then to be part of um, sales and technical teams to actually call on those accounts because um, they, they knew the lay of the land, they knew the people, and, and they'd have uh, a level of respect um, it was also situations where the customers would not have to retrain um, the sales and marketing teams from the vendors and partners because um, a lot of that information was already known by the, inf by the people that we were working with. So it was kind of a win-win situation, which I think is important in, in, in China. Um, you know, I, I think that one thing that was, was also really interesting was working with companies in China that sold not only into China, but were looking at expanding outside of, of, of their geography. And so uh, they looked for assistance uh, in trying to do things um, and, and relied on, on us to, to help them be successful outside of China. Uh, and, and that was something that was, that was very interesting because even though there's a lot of, of consumption, there's a lot of internal growth in, in China, um, they're also looking at, at building companies that, that can excel outside of China. And I had a chance to work with a number of companies that fit into that category. Mm -hmm. And for them, um, in order to be successful to expand their business outside to China, they also need uh, need to work with people who have experience, who know um, the uh, other markets to help them. Uh, it, not just on that part, it's also very important on the people um, part, you know, how do you work with people in a different market, uh, understand their mindset, understand the way of uh, conducting business, and the relationship building. Yeah, it's both sides. It's both sides. I think, you know, I had a chance to manage, you know, up to um, between 10 to 50 people over there in, in um, understanding um, what was interesting to them. What were their career goals? How could I help them be successful? Uh, not simply trying to um, tell them that the American way was the right way, um, but try to see if there was a way to um, share some of our um, successes and practices that they could incorporate uh, and add to what they were doing to make them successful in China. Uh, you know. As an example, um, I, I at one point uh, had an employee who did a very good job, and so we provided them with a with an award um, that was substantial, uh, kind of a special bonus. And I really wanted to find out um, 
you know, how he felt about that. And, you know, there was a nice uh, um, write-up about what he had done. He told me that he chose to share that, um, that write-up with his family at dinner. And then they went to a temple to actually bless his good fortune. Oh, but went to a temple. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought that was, that was um, kind of a special thing. And, you know, he had, he had shared with me that um, maybe this was a, a kind of a new generational type of thing that, that may not have existed, um, you know, in the past when, you know, his, his parents were, um, you know, beginning their work career. So um, that was interesting to under, understand um, a little non-work uh, um, you know, component of what my employees were thinking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to this day, um, I mean, I, I worked with people in 2000, early 2000s. Um, we still communicate. I still find out that their their kids are are you know going through school either in China or, or attending universities in the United States, uh, and I've helped them um, in some of those situations, and so. For me, it, it became a kind of a long-term relationship, not simply trying to drive business quarter after quarter, but um, we actually developed, you know, some some long-term relationships, which I, I thought was very valuable. Yeah, Jim, I think uh, I totally echo with you on this point. Uh, in China, the work relationship goes beyond work. Uh, when I was there, you know, I worked in China before I moved to the U.S. and then I went back for two years. And, uh, you know, we kind of, as a Chinese, okay, that's what I'm saying uh, on behalf of Chinese, we kind of look at a working uh, relationship uh, at a um, deeper level. We see uh, the colleagues, uh, we want to build a, a friendship. And, uh, you know, the colleagues with us is more like a big family. So, uh, you see, in China, we uh, even in Microsoft, uh, the lunch hour is the time that people do a lot of social and we get together. Um, we really think about where we want to go to eat and we talk. Uh, who are the people we want to go together? So uh, instead of when I was working in the U.S., uh, maybe a lot of the times the lunch hour, we are in business meetings or just to have a quick lunch in front of my computer um it is very different yeah and the weekends uh, lots of times people play together right oh by the way jim i remember you played badminton and golf and all kinds of things with um our chinese folks there uh, <laughs> i had a i had a chance um on saturdays to be invited um to the olympic training center where there there might be 500 to 1,000 people playing badminton. And uh, you walk inside and, um, you know, I'm a tall American and I, I stick out when, I'm, <laughs> when I walk into that environment. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly athletic, but, uh, you know. And that's a new be, sport for you, right, badminton? A, a, fairly, <laughs> a fairly new sport, but before they allowed me to play on the competitive court, I... I often had to play with uh, junior high school kids uh, to establish a level of credibility before they'd let me uh, play on the, <laughs> you know, the adult court. And, um, and then, you know, that, um, there were probably two or three people that I worked with that were part of that. But then after the, after the meeting, after the badminton session, um, 
the families of the participants, their children, the mothers and fathers, and myself would go and have uh, you know a wonderful Chinese meal in the afternoon. And, yeah. <laughs> and so it was, again, a chance to um, get involved with their cult, with the culture. And, right. um, you know, a little bit different than, than in America. Yeah, you mingled pretty well because I uh, was in some of the activities together with you and I saw you, you know, you stick out because how you look and <laughs> your height, but uh, uh, you mingled well with our Chinese folks there. Okay, uh, we will take another quick uh, commercial break and we will be right back. Uh, I want to talk more about the exciting part as well as what kind of opportunities for American companies that um, uh, you have seen in, in the China market. We'll be That's right good. back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you interested in expanding your business to China but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to Make a Difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. Skilled migrants throughout the world can face a variety of challenges. Many times they settle for jobs that are below their skill level because their education and qualifications are not recognized. Do we need local experience in a global world? Join host Alma Besserton for the Global Workplace. We'll explore the issues being faced by migrants as well as showcase diversity and recognize the leadership and inclusion roles of some of today's top global organizations. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back. All right, let's continue the conversation on... In China with Michelle Zhou. Today we are with uh, Jim talk about uh, working in China. Uh, we just uh, talked a little bit of uh, the work life, all this fun stuff there. So Jim, um, from your eyes, what are some exciting things of working inside China? 
you know, you were, you were there for one half years. Uh, besides the badminton <laughs> we're talking about, uh, why people should work there as a foreigner? So if, if someone does have an opportunity to, to spend time in China, um, you know, let's say first they managed a team that was located in China and then they actually had a chance to live there. Um, I mean, it's a wonderful cultural experience because I think in today's age, um, learning and appreciating other cultures, uh, just it, it shrinks the world uh, and it makes uh, people appreciate um, the history in different environments, the culture, what's important to the people. But at the end of the day, we're all people. And, you know, um, I, th I think that, that people want good things to happen to, um, to mankind. And so, you know, um, going in China, um, you know, when, when you look at the massive amount of growth that's happening uh, today, uh, you know, I, I touched a little bit on, uh, on this before, but China is, is becoming extremely relevant um, in the whole e-tailing space. Logistics is huge as they build out infrastructure and in smart cities. You know, education is is incredibly important because China is investing, you know, massive amounts to deal with that. Same thing is true on in healthcare. Um, major opportunities for healthcare, and and you know, you, you think about, you look at pictures of of cities like Shanghai or, or Beijing, and and you see the. Um, the air quality and, and people are concerned about health, water. Um, I believe the term is called konchi buhao. Konchi buhao, yeah. Which is maybe not clean air. Uh, and uh, by the way, Jim, I want to um, give you some update on this one because I go to China five, six times. Uh, uh, every year now uh, with this consulting firm and a training business. Well. It's just amazing the air pollution in Beijing is so changed. I was there um, just very recently. The air was pretty good, and the sky is blue now. <laughs> so uh, the government was, uh, you know, China. We have a more concentrated. Um, what was the right word for it? The government is more. Um, have the concentrated power and uh, they have done something um, so it's just uh, in such a short time I've, I would say in one year I see the huge change in the air quality in Beijing well that's that's good to hear um, because even you know when you look at the you know the the measure for that which is the you know PMA 2.5 which you can go to the you know the State Department and, and check out the air quality city by city, um, you know that's just something that I, you know I think that um, the country and other and other companies that are involved are looking at ways to try to even make that um, you know a better situation, clean air, uh, clean energy, um, you know uh, improved agriculture. Um, wealth management is is really important. I think there's a lot of of opportunities there. I mean, I looked at a a McKinsey article recently that talked about doing business in China, um, and you know they have updates every year or so. Um, great articles uh, that talk about um, what are the current 
um, hot spots for investments, um, you know, in that part of the world. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. I, I think that it's important, you know, whatever you're looking at to, to figure out, um, you know, what are the rules and regulations associated with any business that you're going into? Um, you know, there's there's a variety of, of underlying um, activities that might be, you know, uh, government-related or policies that, that you need to be sensitive to. Right, right. This is a very important part. Uh, I compare, you know, just based on my own uh, experience here, right, I compare the U.S. government and the Chinese government, the level of involvement from the government um, to business is very different. Uh, in China, uh, the local government involved uh, quite deeply in business. And uh, a lot of times, because I am helping some companies um, expanding to China, and we, we, worked, we both worked on some projects uh, together, uh, a lot of times we want to take a look at what are the policies as well as what kind of support that the government is uh, providing. Uh, sometimes it's funding, not just, uh, you know, policies or um, regulations, they may provide some funds to help um, to help us introduce some technologies or some sort of a business or uh, people uh, from overseas to China. So that's um, uh, that that kind of involvement can really help your business be successful. Or if you don't really uh, understand this, don't follow this, you may not be successful there. So, I mean, I think it's uh, no matter what industry that you're involved with, um, you know, obviously there are business opportunities that are exciting. um, And it also becomes a personal choice. How much do you want to invest if you're going to spend time in China? You know, will you take the time to try to to learn some level of of Mandarin? Um, I, I took classes three nights a week for, you know, about a year. Uh, and still, I was just you know scratching the surface of of uh, of my Chinese. Um, <laughs> You're not bad. You you could get around, and you could order food in restaurant. <laughs> talk, I could talk to doctors. I could talk to the taxi drivers. I could I could do general pleasantries with with customers, and so they appreciated that. But you know, when it when it came time to actually negotiating in Chinese, um, in order to speed deals off. Um, that was a situation where you know my team and my supervisors had to jump in to actually um, you know get the job done. I mean, I would help give advice, but at at some point, if I was a if I was fluent in Mandarin, it might it might have helped you know a great deal more. I think another thing that's important is is um, it's very e- easy just to adopt Western standards when you go to uh, China. You can um, have a, a driver, you can go to Western restaurants for meals, you can shop in Western locations and do all those things. But um, I thought one of the exciting things was, you know, to buy a $10 bicycle. To spend my, <laughs> $10 bicycle. <laughs> to spend, spend my weekends, um, you know, riding uh, throughout Beijing. Uh, and I logged, you know, hundreds of miles in, 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 during my time there whether it was uh, snowy, rainy, or sunny. Um, you know, uh, having, having the opportunity to, to take a, uh, a bus um, from Beijing over to Haidian 
for 10 to 15 cents was kind of yeah. interesting. Or I could spend, you know, 10 to $15 on a taxi um, to do the same thing. But, By the way, Jim, I want to update you one more thing uh, on the bicycle. Uh, <laughs> yes, the 10 bucks bicycle is, you know, it was very cheap. Uh, and I remember your bike because I inherited your bike after you left. Uh, <laughs> but today, uh, people don't even need to have their own bike. It's all shared bikes there. Um, the, the yellow one and the orange one, uh, the mobile bike, uh, O4, they call it. It's everywhere. Uh, in big cities, the transportation is just so easy. You know, the the public uh, transportation, subway, buses, then from your um, community where you live to the subway station, uh, you can just uh, take a bike, you know, ride it. Uh, then you drop it at a subway station. Um, you don't need to worry about it. And it's so cheap. It's almost cost nothing. So it's part of the culture. And I, you know, I think coming up what in another Roughly three weeks is three four weeks is Chinese New Year, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean that was another another experience that um, you know when when that time of year comes around, um, someone asked me if I was going to um, join the tradition of of handing out red envelopes. So you know what that is, right? Yes, the red envelope. Uh, that's well, the when I was little. Uh, that's the uh, red envelope with uh, a little bit of money, not a lot, from um, the older people, like parents, grandparents, uh, with their blessings for children uh, getting one more year older. But now it's a very common thing for business as well. Right. So, I mean, that was a situation where I had to go out and, and whether it was the year of, you know, pick, a, pick an animal, whether it was a, a rabbit, uh, this, an ox. Yeah, the coming year is dog. Right. So, you know, make sure the envelope has, has the right picture on it and the right sayings and then, you know, fill that with some, some amount of R&B and pass that out. But um, the importance of, of that time of the year where the families get together and, and you know, they, they typically will go to some, some interesting place um, or in the fall with the, you know, the moon festival. Um, ah, moon cake. <laughs> right, I I had I had mooncake several times. I mean that was, um, that was that was interesting as a as an American who, you know, was just used to our holidays here, um, you know, our national holidays and whatever holidays you may participate in, you know, based on your own circumstances. But that was, that was interesting to, um, you know, culturally uh, to get involved with that, and and um, that typically led to. You know, a series of, of parties and singing and, you know, I mean, a, a hilarious story was I ended up on stage with a technology exec and a local um, police captain who wanted me to sing, you know, You Are My Sunshine. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a silly situation, but, you know, I, I built some friendships and some loyalty with those people as well as, as um, my team thought it was, was uh, you know, good for me to get engaged. And I think mm-hmm. that was that's that's one of the messages that I guess I would leave is besides the the preparation, um, hiring good people, um, get engaged with the local community wherever you can. Um, there are opportunities for 
you know, for Americans to help out and tutor. There's opportunities to um, explore and see many, many different parts, um, not only where the, um, the wealthy live, but also where the poor people live and, and understand you know, that it takes all these different people up to make a, make a universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like you had a, a wonderful life there. <laughs> uh, lots of, as you mentioned, lots of entertainment after work. Well, I wouldn't say it was, you know, some of it was business, but it was, it was also, you know, the work hours, that's another thing, is, is it's pretty common for, for people to work into the early evening and start, you know, um, in the, you know, 8, eight time, eight o'clock time frame in the morning. And so, um, you know, um, very common to, to see that. And so um, if there were um, dinner engagements, fine. Um, but then there might be opportunities to do things um, socially with partners and your teams on the weekend. And I think that just, um, that just lent itself to having a, a much richer experience. Right. Uh, working hour is long and, uh, um, the pace is very fast. That's very uh, typical in China, especially in the technology uh, industry. Uh, I remember when I was there, I rented an apartment next to the building, just across the street. And uh, I work, uh, I don't know how many hours, <laughs> 12 hours a day or what, uh, but I enjoyed it at that time. Um, Okay, as, uh, I think uh, it's time almost to the end. Let me just quickly summarize what we have discussed today. Uh, we shared together with our audience some tips about uh, uh, going to work in China or doing business with Chinese companies. Uh, that includes how do you prepare for your trip and how do you prepare for your business meetings and uh, uh, some important parts here is uh, you really want to develop a relationship with uh, the Chinese company or the people you are going to work with, uh, develop the trust. And um, Jim, you mentioned a great point that respect, right? You, you said uh, respect people, respect the things that are important to the Chinese people. So go a little bit uh, uh, outside of just the work. Um, I think another point we made here is uh, it's very important to get help uh, either by hiring the right people uh, in China to help you uh, for your uh, business or if you don't want to hire people there right away, uh, you can find help from uh, consulting firms or from uh, universities, from friends, from partners. Uh, so it's very important to get that kind of help. Use your net. Use your network. Yes, is is extremely important. And and you know, just another little thing, um, you know, uh, do some study ahead of time. What what's the typical attire um, required in your customer meetings? Our um, business cards in Chinese and in English um, uh, likely to help out. Um, could you actually um, provide um, presentations in both English and Chinese and do that translation to try to, to speed the process? Yeah, um, totally. Have those kinds of things in mind, I think, is really important. Okay, that's great. Well, I want to 
Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for having been here together with us. And we have talked about working in China today. Uh, I want to send a special thank you to our wonderful guest, Jim Fridrikson. Uh, and you can also find more about uh, Jim's background on LinkedIn and follow him from there. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. And next week, we're going to talk about the booming e-commerce market in China and how you can leverage e-commerce to market and sell your products there. See you next week. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhou. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 